he put down, what's it take for a guy with a recurring game show style segment to get a shitty flute rendition of the Price is Right theme already? <laughs> well, there's your request. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Open that guitar case. Hold on. Oh, wait, that's Steve Ozer. Sorry. <laughs> Ozer! Oh, it's here. Oh, Lord. And it's bright blue. That was good. It was so spot on. It reminded me of, it immediately put me back being homesick in middle school. Tonight, it was just a flute. It wasn't shitty. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Scott. Hey, yo. Is that his younger brother? It's gonna be Jeff. The cream rise to the top for you. And you're listening to all of the great action figures from our good friends at Hasbro. The fully postable. Have your own WrestleMania with all your favorite figures. Wrestling figure. They sold separately from LJ Podcast. And we are the Mount Rushmore of professional <laughs> wrestling. Hey, welcome to episode 359 of the Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast. Longest running episodic wrestling figure podcast going today. My name is Jeff and sitting alongside next to me is my real life brother. Not storyline brother, Scott. Scott, say hello. Hello. Scott, what's going on, dude? Dude, I'm excited to come over to your place on Saturday and set up some DTOLs. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Dude, we're not even playing shitty flute. We are putting up DTOLs. No, no, no. See, the other three people that are going to be here will be, uh, meaning you, Sean, and Eric, will be putting up the detolfs. I will be playing Shitty Flute uh, as <laughs> background music. I Excellent. will not. Yeah, this is what I do for you guys. I love you guys, and thank you for coming over. So I'm going to serenade you guys with Shitty Flute. I love it. Can we make requests? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Good. Perfect. Yes, and while you're setting up my detolfs, I will have a guitar lid open so you guys can throw change in there. Wait, wait, wait. Yes? You you keep shitty flute in a guitar case. Who doesn't keep their shitty flute in a guitar case? <laughs> Why wouldn't anybody keep their shitty flute in a guitar case? Well, look, El Mariachi kept guns in his guitar case in Desperado. So, look, you can keep whatever you want in your guitar case. Be it shitty flute or what have you. Is Desperado a song you want me to play while you guys are putting my, together my details? We'll see if the mood strikes. You know, if oh. we get walking around burritos, might be in the mood for some of that. I can see those being in our future. I hope so. That Cali burrito at that spot. Oh boy. You and Eric, man, you guys are in love with that thing. Yes. And because you know what? A burrito can get dry when you add like chips or French fries or or something like that. Right, because Shannon had a Cheetos burrito. It was somewhere recently. I forget where we were, but she had a Cheetos burrito. And oh, I know where it was. It was on the way to and on the way back from Disneyland. We stopped at a taqueria in Bakersfield called Dos Tacos. Uh-huh. Which I'm sure you've seen their Facebook posts. They do the big bag of chips where they cut it open down the middle and put like the steak and the, the cheese and the guacamole, sour cream, pico de gallo. They make a big thing of nachos out of it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Shannon got their hot Cheetos burrito and she was like, it's good, but it's dry. I said, exactly. That's why I always have an issue with Cali burritos because they stuff it full of French fries and it dries the thing out. 
But this Taqueria in Alameda, which I think, Jeff, is the second best Taqueria? No, the second best Taqueria is Calafia across town. Oh, that's the one you took Steve from the BPW podcast to. Yeah, only the best for him. Okay, so which did which is the, the Cali Burrito place? Like uh, third or fourth? A third or fourth, yeah. Okay, so Steve, if you're listening, you get second. I get third or fourth, so I don't know who in Jeff's life is getting first. Probably his new cats, if I had to guess. But that's where we are. But dude, their Cali Burrito at the third or fourth best taqueria in Alameda, outstanding. So I hope that's on the menu for Saturday. You know who's getting first in Jeff's life? Jeff. (laughs) Well done. Jeff takes care of Jeff over here. (laughs) Always looking out for number one. If anybody would like to get any of our shirts, head on over to Pro Wrestling Tees or whatamaneuver.net. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat, and the Book of Faces at Fully Posable, Instagram, Fully Posable, WFP. You can go back and listen to any of our past podcasts. Just do a Google search, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio. You can find them all there. Just do a Google search, search Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast. And if you would like to send us any audio questions, questions, or anything else at all, send it on over to Fully Posable, WFP at Gmail dot com scott have you picked up anything recently uh let's think did i do any pre-orders this week no i think it was a dry week i think coming off of disneyland it was kind of pumped the brakes especially since i dropped that 125 on the uh the guardians of the galaxy set Uh uh-huh so i've kind of pumped the brakes but no big pre-orders hit this week so uh did the road warriors uh, pre-order for the asylum remco's last week did the Guardians of the Galaxy box set from Disneyland, and I think that's where I left off. Nothing new to report this week. Oh, okay, okay. I haven't picked up anything, so we're going to do filler. We're going to play Can You Last a Minute? Already? Already. Because wow, you love this game. I do, I do. Uh, I like seeing if you can guess it. It's it's so much fun. Okay, well, let me get my notes ready. Uh, a spoiler for later in the show, uh, just so I know how much room to save on my paper. Do we have a trivia question from the great Nate at Ring Skirts? Let's just say, leave some room. I see. Okay. So without spoiling anything, I'm going to leave some room on this paper. Not to leave the room, even if I come and get them. (laughs) Don't do anything. Just stop him from entering the room. (laughs) The curtains. The curtains. No, not the curtains. (laughs) Okay. I am going to say the figures into the microphone. You got to palm them like a cat. Oh, like right. You... I got I have to palm my uh, my earbuds. So yes. uh, just finger me when you're ready for me to come back. And yep. I will uh, I will put the earbuds in my hand. Tell me when. Okay, got it. Uh, uh, I'm doing uh, it now. Not to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take your earbuds out. Take your earbuds out. <laughs> okay, we're going to go on five. Wait. Do we pause after five or do we go on five? Okay, I'm taking my earbuds out now. Rockers Hasbro. Okay, earbuds are back in. I forgot to cover my mouth. Did you see what I said? No. Okay, perfect. All right. No, because I can't see your mouth really moving because it's behind the microphone. Oh, that's what she said. All right. (laughs) Okay. I mean, what? What? What does that even mean? I'm going to set the stopwatch. You have one minute to guess this two-pack. Go. LJN. No. Hasbro. Yes. Okay, Hasbro. Uh, And it's a two-pack. Okay. Were they wearing tights? Yes. Okay. So it's okay. 
Nasty Boys. No. Legion of Doom. No. Rockers. Yes. Excellent. You got it in 23 seconds. Okay, I can't even make it a two-pack anymore, and especially Hasbro. Come on. What the hell was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell that was, was I kind of a softball. We'll call that, was... that like a warm-up round. All right, all right, all right. Uh, let me think of some other figures. Hmm. Oh, I have a good one. Okay, got it. Should I take my earbuds out now? Yeah. Yes, palm them like a cat, like it's in a loaf position. Okay, got it. I'm taking them out now, and I'm not going to watch you until like a second from now to watch for your finger. The ma- <laughs> that magic middle one. Taking them out now. Razor Ramon, just toys bend them. Okay, I have been summoned back. I have the earbuds back in. Okay, this one I don't think is going to be a softball for you. Okay. All right. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. Go. LJN. No. Hasbro. No. Jax. No. Just Toys Bendem. Yes. Oh. Uh, it's Lex Luger. No. Is the wrestler still alive? No. Razor Ramon. God damn it. That was in 17 seconds. Wow. Actually, I did not think you were going to guess Just Toys Bendems that fast. Well, in my mind, I start to go through, like, cycle through the first ones that came out. So, obviously, yeah. I left out Remco and Galoob, but that worked out well. Sometimes you just get lucky, that's all. Well done, man. Well, that didn't take up as much time as I thought it was going to. Yeah, because I got two in under a minute. All right, well, we got to do more filler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just play shitty flute for the next 20 minutes. Well, I can ask you if you got the Logan Paul Ultimate. I did. Oh, you did get it. Did you get one or two? Uh, I just got one. I didn't see the need for two. Yeah, I didn't get any. I'm just not a Logan Paul guy. The figure itself is outstanding. And the alternate heads that come with them are just... Dude, they're incredible. Nothing against him. He's incredible in the ring. He's a huge asset to the WWE, but... Uh, I, I just don't like him enough to buy a figure of him. Right. I I don't know why I jumped on him. FOMO? Probably. Yeah, it's an ultimate. It's FOMO. It's the ultimate. It's Mattel Creations exclusive. Yes. The heads look fantastic. They do. They do. I They're do, so good. I, I do like watching Logan Paul matches, but like, why do I need a Logan Paul figure? And I think you just nailed it on the head. It's FOMO. It is totally FOMO because... I mean, maybe it's my feeling about current day product. I'm just not as into it as I am the golden era. Right. And that is really where my, as I've talked about on the show numerous times, letting the listeners know, that really is where my collecting is driven now is the golden era. You know, the Hogan's, the Savage, the Warriors. Again, Logan Paul, super entertaining. His matches are so good. But I just uh, don't don't really have an interest in buying an ultimate figure of him. Now, the Cody, on the other hand, that's one that I kind of regret not jumping in on, but we'll see. Are there any other toy lines that you are collecting? I mean, you talked about the Marvel Legends last week that you picked up just because you were there. Yes. Is there any other f- toy collections that you're in on right now? I'm always looking at the McFarland DCs. Okay. I really do like those figures a lot. I'm a huge fan of that line. Movies, namely NECA. Those are a strong interest of mine as well. But the problem is I'm really starting to run out of room in my details. Uh-oh, time to get another one. Yeah, I, I do have a third lined up. Uh, big thanks to Tim at a chair shot on Twitter. So pulling up a chair podcast, by the way. Uh, great dude. 
so I've got kind of a third one lined up through him. So I'm I'm definitely going to need the space. But I talk about a movie shelf and a Batman shelf. Now that I'm starting to really occupy those shelves, I'm running out of space. So I'm definitely going to need more room, more detolfs, looking at light setups, as you know, Jeff. Uh, but yeah, really, it's the NECAs. The NECA movie figures are so good. Terminator, Predator, Robocop. You name it, like NECA is just killing the property. Uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they did an amazing job on those. The movie figures are just so good. Um, thinking about picking up some of the McFarlane Batman 66 figures, okay. which are really good. And specifically, I think I just want Batman and Robin because he made that bat cycle. Don't you already have a bat cycle though? I do for the new movie Batman. But okay. this one is specific to that 66 era Batman. And it's okay. awesome. It's just like they literally just shrunk it down out of the TV show and they're selling it for 30 bucks. It is so good. But I'll need a Batman and Robin to go with it. So with that said, I'm starting to see where I need more detail space. So that's really kind of where my collecting is driven right now. In addition to the WWF or WWE golden era figures, uh, the legends are really good. Like the SST are definitely coming home. I don't know if I'll pick up the head shrinkers. Definitely the SST. Got to get Heyman to go with them. Um, the Andre Ultimate, I'll definitely be scooping that up. Uh, pre-ordered the Razor Ramon Ultimate, as I mentioned last week. Uh, but yeah, NECA, uh, the AXN figures, the music line. I've only got Kiss so far, but that one is going to be, we'll see what other names come out in it. And Super 7 is growing their music line. They announced a, uh, I wanted to say Big E. <laughs> a Big E. <laughs> Sorry, that was a wrestling mark in me. A biggie <laughs> ultimate figure. And while the price points are high, again, it does come down to names. I've got two of them already. Uh, the ghost figures for Shannon. They've released two of those. But I've definitely eyeballed the Lemmy, the the King Diamond. So if they do a Cliff Burton, that thing's coming home. So there's always figures that pop up that while you weren't planning on purchasing them, when you see it, you're like, okay, I've got to get it. And really, that comes down to a lot of the movie figures for me. And honestly, a lot of the DC Batman figures. It doesn't have to specifically be Batman. I've got a, um, a Rock Black Adam figure in the, the Detolf. But it's a lot of it is unplanned. If you see the figure, you're like, that thing's badass. I've got to buy it. That's the way it is with a lot of toys, man. You just don't expect to buy things. Like, did you expect to buy Marvel Legends? Uh, uh, what's the guys' names? That the Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, them. Did you expect to buy that? No, absolutely not. No, I do like going into um, Disney California and seeing uh -huh. what Marvel Legends figures they have because right outside, uh, oh gosh, Monsters, Inc., they had a little, uh, like a Spider-Man hut where they had a bunch of Spider-Man merch. Over by the Avengers Academy, they've got some shops and stuff that sell Marvel Legends. So I always look at those and I knew that the Guardians of the Galaxy shop was going to have some stuff. I, I wasn't planning on buying it, but I didn't know that they had a five-pack of them. So it was like one of those things, as soon as I got on the ride and I saw Rocket, I was like, ooh, I bet he'd be a badass Marvel Legends figure. I wonder if they've made him, because I really don't follow that line. And then, you know, you go on the ride, and you love it, and the kids are having a blast, and you're all caught up in the moment. And then you hit the gift shop, and you're like, stupid gift shop made me spend $125 on five figures. <laughs> worth it though dude i do love those guardians figures they're outstanding the marvel legends are a, they're a great line i just i can't get wrapped up in them same with the star wars black series 
you know, those are outstanding figures. I grew up with Star Wars. I had all the Kenner figures, but it's it's just that rabbit hole you don't want to jump down like Funko's for me, right? But there might be one or two. For example, I do have a Black Series Boba Fett and I've got a Black Series Mandalorian in the Detolf. So again, it just every once in a while, it's just a name that you want to add to the collection. You weren't planning on buying the figure, but it's just so badass, you've got to bring it home. Okay, so last week we were talking about the first house show that we ever went to. Yes. Because Steve from PPW did a mini show of house show, his very first house show. So I found that our very first house show, Scott. Oh, you did? You found the card. I did. It's on the history of WWE.com. It has basically, I'm not going to say all, but it has basically all house shows listed. So I found the one that we went to. Now, this was WWF at the Oakland Coliseum, July 19th, 1986. Okay. Now, I don't believe these are the match order. Like, I don't believe this is the way it happened because it didn't happen like this in my head, at least, you know, but at the time I'm seven years old, so I don't remember. Right. Okay. Mike Rotundo and Danny Spivey defeated Jimmy Jack and Dory Funk Jr. when Spivey pinned Dory. I completely do not remember that. So I think I remember that one only because of it was Jimmy Jack that wore the mask, right? Correct. So that's the only thing I might remember that might jog a memory. I just remember the mask. Is that Art Bar? Is that who Jimmy Jack Funk was? Uh, we'll need to be fact checked on that. Yes, I thought it was Art Bar. Could be wrong. Uh, you said SD Jones was facing Iron Mike Sharp. SD Jones pinned the demon Steve Pardee. Ah, so it was not Iron Mike Sharp. Iron Mike Sharp was there who lost to George Wells. George Wells, there you go. There you go. Okay, so he did not wrestle SD. He wrestled George Wells. George Wells won? George Wells pinned Iron Mike Sharp. I believe George Wells was hailed as, or um, was billed as hailing from Oakland. Oh, was he? I think so. I I thought that he was uh, billed as from Oakland, California. Okay, I don't remember that, but... I thought he was. Uh, who did SD face? SD faced the demon. The demon. Who was played by Steve Pardee. Steve, okay. And did SD win? SD won. Nice. Okay. Loved SD Jones back in the day, man. I love that guy. Ricky Steamboat defeated Jake Roberts via disqualification. Okay. Kerpel Kirshner defeated Nikolai Volkov in a boot camp match. And that's the match that I remember being the very first match that I ever saw. Okay. I do remember that match. Corporal Kirshner took off his boot, I think, and knocked out Nikolai with it. And that's how he got the win. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Tito Santana pinned the Iron Sheik with a small package. Do not remember that at all. Cowboy Lang defeated Lord Littlebrook. Oh, there was a little person's match. There was. Whoa. Okay. I Dude, I don't remember that either. And last, the Junkyard Dog defeated WWF IC champion Randy Savage via countout at the eight-minute mark. That's a hell of a freaking... Uh, <laughs> eight-minute main event? <laughs> an eight-minute main event. What the hell? We got gypped. Uh, dog was blown up, dude. You know what? Dad was probably hella happy. He was like, oh, God, this was done in eight minutes. Awesome. Let's go. Let's beat the Get traffic. Get me the F out of here. Let's beat traffic home. <laughs> so you don't, outside of the Macho Man poster, Dad hitting... The kids in front of us. You don't remember anything about that show, huh? No. Well, again, I, I remembered Iron Mike Sharp being there, but I thought he faced SD. It was George Wells. I do remember SD being there. 
I do remember Dog and uh, Macho Man. I thought Macho Man was IC Champ when we saw him. And he was. And he was. Um, apparently, he did not have the real Miss Elizabeth with him, according to you. Correct. Yep. Uh, let's see. What else do I remember about that show? I The Corporal Kirshner match. Because I clearly remember Cor- Corporal taking off his boot and knocking out Nikolai. Yep. Hmm. I don't remember much else. And it's funny, too, because you being the huge Ricky Steamboat fan, you thought you would remember Ricky being there. You would think so. But I right. don't. And because that Ricky and Jake was like the feud of 86. Right, right. Like that was hot. But I, dude, I don't remember that at all. So I thought that would be kind of interesting to kind of go back since Steve was talking about it. I wanted to go over our first house show match. Oh, I love it. I'm glad you found that. I'm going to have to find our second house show. That was the one where Hogan, I believe he faced Kamala in the main event. Kamala or Adrian Adonis? Or was it Big Boss Man? I don't remember seeing him face Big Boss Man. I remember him say, uh, I remember Hogan facing Kamala. Okay. And I want to say we had a card where somebody faced Adrian Adonis. And I thought it was Hogan. Um, but it could have been JYD. I don't remember. I think that was in late 86 or 1987 too. Right. So I'll right. have to go. Because we didn't go to a lot of them. No. And they were around here all the time too. Well, they would always bounce back and forth between the Cow Palace and the Coliseum. It was like they would alternate months. And Sacramento. Oh, Sacramento too. That's right. Yeah. They were hitting up Barco Arena out there. That's right. Uh, but I don't know who else got WrestleMania 4 on closed circuit. I know the Coliseum got it because that's what we went to. But I don't know if the Cow Palace and or Sacramento got it too. Hey, remember when you made fun of me for crying? I think I did that like three weeks ago, didn't I? Again for the Strike Force thing? Oh, probably. I try to bring it up at least once a year to remind you. I, I know. It's a yearly thing around WrestleMania. <laughs> hey, remember You're lucky you... if it's only once a year. <laughs> dick <laughs> sometimes i try to do it at the dinner table <laughs> like hey dude <laughs> thanksgiving christmas <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving oh god damn it <laughs> <laughs> but i'll have to find our second house show because i remember sam houston face danny davis at that one okay uh that was our second one i believe and then that's the one i remember hogan facing kamala or big boss man i think that's the one where you said demolition was there I want to say Demolition was there, and I want to say they faced Patera and Billy Jack Haynes. Okay, I'm going to have to find that one. I wonder if that was early 87. I remember it being a winter month. Okay, we went to a house show. I would swear that was the same night as Hogan and Orndorff in the cage on Saturday Night's Main Event. I believe you're correct, because that's jogging a memory, too. Yeah, like we were racing home to see it. I think we had it recording. Just in case we didn't make it home in time, we had like a tape in the VCR, and we had it set to record. Yep. Do you remember that night we went to San Jose for a house show and like the main event was Sean versus Mankind and Sean won and then like Sean just bolted out of the ring like he had to deuce hella quick? <laughs> I don't remember that at all. So that was the main event. Um, Sid was supposed to be there, but his flight got canceled or he couldn't make it. So it ended up being a triple threat match. It was Triple H versus Brett versus Stone Cold. Oh, that was at the San Jose arena. Wow, that sounds like a hell of a match. Yeah, it was pretty good. It wasn't bad. I mean, it felt like it went by pretty quick. Hmm. Yeah, dude, I don't remember that at all. But a lot of the like the late 90s are all kind of a blur to me. Got it. It was going lo- by so fast. I love house shows, dude. I do. Oh, yeah, they're a lot of fun. It's just it's a more intimate setting. It's not all like 
by the numbers like a pay-per-view. They can kind of get away with a little bit more. So, yeah, they're always a lot of fun. So if you guys want to send us your very first house show or send it on over to Steve over at PPW or send it on over to us again. This is at the history of WWE.com and they have all the house shows. Well, I shouldn't say all the house shows, but they have a majority of the house shows there. So you can go check that out. But now we must move over to the news. Are you ready, Scott? I can't wait. Let's go talk about it. Oh, you going to learn today. So before we jump into news, Scott and I, between break, started talking about the other house show that we were talking about, trying to find the Hulk Hogan-Kamala match, and actually we found it. It was Oakland Coliseum, January 3rd, 1987. The paid attendance was 15,534, the largest pro wrestling crowd in Northern California in 12 years. There were a lot of people at that show, dude. I hella remember that when we were walking out of the arena I remember there being a crap ton of people. So here is the card. The Karate Kid and Little Coco defeated Little Tokyo and Lord Littlebrook. Butch Reed defeated Nick Kaniski. Jerry Allen defeated Steve Lombardi. Jerry Allen? Jerry Allen. Is that the same? Who faced uh, Bret Hart in that match that everybody went crazy for? Was that Jerry? Oh, no, that was McGee, huh? Yeah, Tom McGee. Okay, I'm getting my Allens and McGees mixed up. Sorry. Yeah, not even close. Okay. Please continue. (laughs) <laughs> the Honky Tonk Man defeated S.D. Jones. B. Brian Blair and Jumping Jim Brunzel, the Killer Bees, defeated Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. And here's the match that you remember, Scott. The Junkyard Dog defeated Adrian Adonis via disqualification. Oh, by DQ. Okay. Billy Jack Haynes defeated Jake Roberts by disqualification. Okay. And in the main event, what I remember, WWF World Champion Hulk Hogan defeated Kamala. Okay. And what date was that again? That was January 3rd, 1987. And what date did the Saturday Night's Main Event with Hogan and Orndorff in the cage air, Jeff? Well, only because you looked it up and now I know. And knowing is half the battle, G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. That was January 3rd, 1987. There you go. So we were racing out of the arena because we had to see what happened. And that was the first time that the little light bulb went off above your head that, wait a second... How do we just watch Hulk Hogan in a match live and we're about to go home and watch him on the television in that a completely ha- different city? That happened in your brain? Well, to be fair, I was considerably older. I was like 13 at that point. Correct. No, I wasn't 13 yet. I was 12. Okay. 12 years old me was like, hmm, what is this? And then I think right before the show, they were always like pre-recorded or whatever. But I think mm-hmm. that was the first time I became like fully aware of something was like weird and became aware of pre-recording. So that's pretty cool. I love going through these. I love seeing the house shows that we went to. Like I still remember. I'll look up later. Not in the show, but I'll probably look it up and have it for next week when we went and saw Undertaker Nails, but it was supposed to be Warrior Flair and, you know, that stuff. Okay, but we did go to another house show, Jeff. There was a third one before WrestleMania four. Yes, because that was the one that I remember Sam Houston taking on Danny Davis. And that would have probably been Demolition versus Billy Jack and Ken Patera as well. So that might have been Hogan Bossman? Very well could have been, yeah. Well, we'll check it out next week. We'll have it for you guys next week. I'm excited to go through it and see if I can find it. For sure. So at that time, dude, I was reading a lot of wrestling magazines. Like I've told the story how we would go to Town & Country Liquor with Dad. And then 
dad would go around because you know all the wrestling magazines were on one side and on the other side of all these magazines were the adult magazines dad's like peace kids see you later and he'd go to around the corner while we stood there for like 20 minutes reading wrestling magazines and i'd drop like 20 bucks on 13 of them um but i was doing a lot of reading of the wrestling magazines i wanted to absorb everything i could about it and in one of them i don't know if it was wrestling insider I forget the name of the magazine, but there was a dude named Stately Wayne Manor and he was a total heel and he would always praise the heels and talk bad about the the baby faces. So I thought I was all smart spouting off what this guy would write. And so we're walking out of the arena and I start talking to dad about how I'm not a big fan of Hulk Hogan because he's not a scientific wrestler. <laughs> okay. Cause I remember on the way out, it was after the Kamala match and I'm talking to dad and we're amongst all the, cause you just said that was a huge crowd and we're amongst all these people. So I want to seem like I'm really smart at 12 years old. And I'm like, I don't really like Hulk Hogan. He's not a scientific wrestler. Dad almost stopped dead in his tracks in a sea of people <laughs> looked at me like I had three heads and was like, what is a scientific wrestler? <laughs> and I'm like, well, he doesn't do a lot of moves. All he does is like punch and kick and he'll like rake your back. And they're like, he's just not, he's not a scientific. I thought dad was going to pick me up over his head and throw me (laughs) right into the sea. Just like be done with me. He was going to throw you into the bay. Yeah. He was going to throw me into the bay and he was only going to have one son moving forward. (laughs) Well, he'd have three sons, but anyways. Well, yeah. Just one under his roof that he had to worry about like every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just like he was done with me. He didn't want to talk because here I am like, because I think he was talking well about Hogan. He was like singing his praises like, oh, Oh, that guy's so charismatic. And dad loved Hogan. Yeah, but here's me, little Mark running next to his sides, (laughs) chirping. Hogan's not a scientific. What the hell did I know about a scientific wrestler at 12? (laughs) I mean, more than most, but what a little Mark I was. Jeez. Hey, swim back to the house through the bed. See how scientific that is. <laughs> Tell me all the science behind it. <laughs> Survive the freezing waters and then explain the science behind that. All right. Let's get, Oh, that's hilarious. All right. Let's get into the news real quick. Uh, zombie sailor shut off his Johnny Gargano in Iron Man outfit. That will be a retro style figure. Pretty cool looking figure. Be a one and done for the Johnny Gargano's figures. Yep, it's vaulted after the pre-order's up if that thing's vaulted. Yep, exactly. So I hear Justin Summers getting it. Oh, for sure. Also, Minoru Suzuki is available. Well, the figure, not literally Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, he's not going to come to your birthday party or anything. Right, right. <laughs> That'd be cool, though. Love oh, it would be cool. I would pay for that. Oh, dude, I'd buy that for a dollar. I'd be like, hey, dude, headbutt everybody. <laughs> Minoru Suzuki is available on Ringside Collectibles. You can go pre-order it there. Also, little tidbit. This was on an Asylum Facebook conversation. And thank you, Scott, for finding this. So somebody messaged underneath an Asylum graphic and it said, I didn't see any hashtag wonderful figures. Well, what had happened is Travis Orndorff shared Asylum's post. Oh, is that what happened? And Travis basically posted it and said, look at these number wonderful figures. And then somebody commented, hey, I don't see Paul Orndorff in this set. And Travis put, not yet, winky face. Yes, very good. Okay, I'm glad you, I I did not know the backstory. I'm I'm glad you did that. So yeah, I was kind of surprised at first, like, why is he sharing this? I mean, yeah, the figures are awesome, but 
you know, he's not getting anything out of this. That's kind of weird. Not that he would have to, but, you know, kind of strange. So, of course, me being the uh, the sleuth that I am, start digging into the comments and I see somebody had left that one. And then he responded and was like, not yet. So, I think what we can deduce from that is that it seems like Asylum is going to have a Mr. Wonderful Remco-style figure in their future. So, then you start going into what attire do they put him in? Do they go red robe, white trunks, red robe, red trunks... Blue robe, blue trunks. Do they do a variant in like blue trunks, white boots or white trunks, white boots? Like there's so many good looks on the Mr. Wonderful figure that, dude, I'm not even picky. I mean, you could go LJN look of red trunks, red boots. That would be fantastic with a red robe. Of course, soft goods. Uh, Just excited to see a Mr. Wonderful in that asylum assortment. That one's definitely going to get pre-ordered. Marty DeRosa, he named his Mr. Wonderful Radical Ricky Awesome. That's a good name, dude. It is a good name. I mean, (laughs) when you're a kid and you've got a figure that hulks over or towers over all of your other figures, the way that that Mr. Wonderful figure did, I can't think of a better name to make up than that. Absolutely. Hell yeah. So uh, thank you for finding that, Scott. That was pretty interesting. So I I can't wait for it. I will be pre-ordering that. For sure. I would love... Sorry for spoilers. I would love a Remco-style Mr. Wonderful figure. Absolutely. Just because he's from that era and would totally fit in. So I'm all about it. Love it. Give us more Mr. Wonderful figures. We want all of them. Ringside Collectibles put out their video from Hogan's launch party or whatever it was where they were showing some figures and some news and notes from the party. Okay. So AJ Styles, he will have the soft goods hoodie for his ultimate figure. Ooh, a soft goods hoodie. Soft goods. I like that. Okay. Ultimate Andre will have multiple new heads. But is it going to be, and I know we kind of went in on this last week, but is it going to be different looks for Andre? (laughs) That's up to Bill and the design team. Hmm. Interesting. You'd almost think they'd have to save that one for the ultimate, right? So you do like a WrestleMania three Andre yes. and you just do a couple of different expressions on them. But when you do the ultimate, you do the blue trunks Andre and then you do the two different heads, the dumpster fire head, and then you do the short hair head. So here's my theory. And I don't know anything because I'm dumb as bricks, but for this Andre, it will be WrestleMania three. It will be three different heads. WrestleMania three look soft, good stuff. That's what it will be. Okay. For the Coliseum collection, Ultimate Andre, it will be Andre with the fro. Yes. Blue Trunks Andre. Okay. Yeah, and that makes sense. And then you do the alternate head in the Ultimate, his short hair. Correct. Bingo. Got it. You know what I think that they should do with the WrestleMania 3 Andre? What? Make one of the heads a machine head. Machine head. Good band. Also, a crappy (laughs) tag team in the 80s that did a horrible job of disguising Andre as one of the machines. Also a horrible tag team that did a horrible job of disguising Hogan as one of the machines. <laughs> and then they called him the Hulk machine. A Hulk machine, dude. <laughs> that was almost as on the nose as the Mr. America, which was allegedly Hulk Hogan. Allegedly. Well, we don't know for sure. I mean, well, Steve and Bill have it on good authority in order to make a Mr. America figure and make it Hogan. So they're like John Heyman saying that Arson Judge was going to go to the Giants. Like they they feel oh, no. that they feel so confident that Arson Judge or I mean 
<laughs> Hulk was. It, if any of you were following baseball this past week, you'll get that story. Anyways. I, I wasn't going to mention it on the show, dude. I wasn't going to try to like pick the wound. Still stings. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. Steve and Bill, they definitely seem sure that that was Hogan because they've, they've sculpted a, a mask up, revealing himself to be Hulk Hogan. I don't know, man. This will go down in the, uh, the Max Headroom hack. The annals of history, right? Yes, exactly. In the deep, dark annals of history. <laughs> so... <laughs> Seth's gear will be revealed at a later date with the Andre Ultimate. Well, wait, wait, wait. Let, let's go back to the... So you don't agree that they should do one of the heads as a machine? For the... The Andre Ultimate. The regular one? Because I'm thinking that they're going to do a Coliseum Collection Ultimate Andre as the blue trunks. Oh, no, no. I agree. But the WrestleMania 3 Ultimate that they're doing here... You think they'll put it... Well, if they're doing three new heads, technically they've already done... Oh, Andre Ultimate Machine, or sorry, an Andre Machine figure. But it was mismatched. True, but if they've already made that and Steve said that there's three new heads. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, so unless they sculpted a brand new one, but how different could it look from the original that was really good? Bingo. Ah, damn it. Okay, because then you'd have a perfect matchy-matchy machine Andre. Matchy-matchy. Matchy-matchy. My OCD brain likes matchy-matchy. That's why I'm like, give us one machine head in there. And then the other two as Andres. Like one stoic face, one like screaming Andre, and then one machine mask. And then you're good. Machichi, machichi. <laughs> Are you still stuck on that? I still am. <laughs> machichi, machichi. You're singing it now. <laughs> They're so soft and cuddly. <laughs> you love it. Uh, both Seth and Andre will have soft goods. Okay. Paul E.'s Zach Morris cell phone will be breakable. That is coming out. Excellent. I think that only fits the character, right? You got to bash the the cell phone over the dome of a poor, unwitting opponent. So, bingo. Great accessory. We didn't talk about this last week, but there was Elite 102 prototype of Sami Zayn from WrestleMania this past year. Steve and Bill tooled up a giant mousetrap. If you remember from that match with Johnny Knoxville. So wait a second. That's not Johnny's accessory? We'll see. But the way they had it posed on the table, it was a prototype Sami Zayn from that match in a mousetrap. The mousetrap is tooled up. We just don't know where it's going to be going. Okay. I thought for sure that was Johnny Knoxville's accessory. I mean, that figure's outstanding. I'm definitely pre-ordering it once it hits BBTS. But a lot of the excitement around that... Aside from it being an outstanding figure, was the mousetrap. For the RSC exclusive NWO retros, uh, they will have special packaging where the back will slide out from the bubble, similar to the Coliseum collection. Style. Oh, very nice. Okay, so you're not wrecking any packages getting into your retros. I like that. Exactly. And as Steve pointed out, what you can do is you can take the backing off, have the people sign it. You can have Hogan, Six, or One, Two, Three, Kid. Very nice. And, and Nash sign it. And then you can just slide it right back in. I like the way that works. Very nice. That's perfect. Well done, Mattel. That's that's great thinking ahead, man. I know. They're thinking of the mint on card people as well. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No, it's well done all around. That's, that's outstanding. That's why they make the big bucks. That is it from the video. That's basically all the news that I pulled. I did pull some things from the Wrestling Figs message boards. The first one comes in from Black Suit Spider-Man 09. He said, hey, Steve, when will the ultimate Raw ring with Kane go up on Mattel Creations? Living in Canada, it's cheaper to buy it off Mattel Creations. Thank you. 
This is for our international friends up there. He said January. Next question came in from Sean SCGA. He said, hey, Steve, here's a question I'm not sure if anyone has asked yet. Has there been talk about possibly changing the way championship belts are made? It's pretty outdated and simply doesn't look good. They don't lay on the figures properly because of thick rubber and the detail and paint is more cartoonish, which takes away from a very realistic looking figure with an unrealistic belt. I understand the better the quality, the more money it costs. Is it possible maybe to add a more realistic belt to more expensive lines like the Ultimate Edition? Thanks. Steve said different belt executions have been discussed from time to time. Maybe one day they'll be possible. I don't think the belts look that bad. I mean, it doesn't fit like like a complete round. Yeah, I know what he's talking about. I, I do too, but I don't think it's that bad. And I don't either. Um, again, as an MOC collector, primarily, that it doesn't really concern me. I think the belts look fantastic. But I think once I start opening more of the figures and putting them in the detolf, I'll probably come in, come around to what this guy's talking about. So I know what he means because I've put a belt or the belts on a few figures and I'm like, eh, I mean, it's not super great, but hey, this is cool. I didn't think I would ever see like WCW tag team titles or a TV title ever get added to my collection. So I'm just happy to see them, but I can see his point. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, no. Oh, he's here. Yeah. Steve. Oh, sir. Please. I'll stop right there. <laughs> I don't think the belts look that bad. I, I will agree that maybe they don't fit around the waist or the uh, stomach area. I will kind of agree there. But like you said, as an MOC collector, the belts look good in the packaging and stuff like that. They so, do, yeah. Especially uh, when the figure's holding the title up. Oh, like Sami Zayn? Did I, I, with the that NXT? was going to be my example with the NXT title, yes. Okay, okay, okay. I almost got my keyboard wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean keyboard warrior didn't already wreck your keyboard? Uh, <laughs> is that my new nickname for that character? I think so. The keyboard warrior? Arson Uzzah. Judge, the keyboard warrior. Uzzah. <laughs> oh, he doesn't even call him by his first name. <laughs> yeah, that would be hella funny if somebody just started off a, one of these questions with Uzza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. Next question. Actually, last question, I should say, comes in from Axel Smackdown. He said, will Ultimate Edition Cody and Logan be sealed like normal Ultimate Editions? Or will they be like Slaughter, Coliseum Collection, and the new gen Ultimate Editions where they are not sealed and can be removed from the boxes with ease? Steve said they'll most likely be more on the Sergeant Slaughter side of things, but there's still some work to do. Okay, that's that's really good to know. Because again, as an MOC collector, it's good to know that you can get these figures out and either display them or at least take them out just to kind of admire how good they are. And then just stick them right back in like nothing ever happened. That is it for all of the news this week. 
it is time to go to the nostalgia segment and do up some Elite 67 action. What do you say? Let's go talk about them. get into elite 67 we want everybody to head on over to wrestlingfiguredatabase.com over there you can find almost every wrestling figure ever made over at wrestlingfiguredatabase.com but for this week what we want you guys to do is head on over there go to the wwe section go to the mattel main elite line section and look for 51 to 100 scroll down a bit you'll find the series you can click on that Scroll down to 67, click that, and then you have Elite 67 right there and follow along as Scott reads off this list. That can all be found at WrestlingFigureDatabase.com. And of course, we want you guys to smash that donate button, kick some money back over to Dylan for putting together this fantastic website, of course. So that's all over at WrestlingFigureDatabase.com. All right, Scott. What you got for Elite 67? Well, before we get into it, I want to throw kudos Dylan's way because on his homepage on WrestlingFigureDatabase.com, he had a Thanksgiving celebration up of wrestling's big men asking who our favorites were. And prominently displayed on that homepage were three big men, Bam Bam Bigelow, Big Van Vader, and Yokozuna. So it was great to jump over to that page, do a little bit of research on Elite 67 and have that treat in front of me. And remembering that my number one and number one A big men of all time are Bam Bam and Vader. So kudos to Dylan for throwing that up there. Who's your number one big man of all time, Jeff? Um, who was the big guy that got his ass beat by? It was the Japanese wrestler who beat him up because he was not selling him. <laughs> Because it was hilarious that he was not selling. It was, <laughs> it was the great something. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> he got his ass whooped. Uh, that was Anoki, dude, that did all Thank that damage. Thank you, Anoki. It's been a long week. <laughs> it's been a long year. How about that? It, it really has, yeah. But anyways, yeah, Anoki beat the living bejesus out of him because he wasn't selling, and he just kept patting his belly. So, anyways, he's my favorite big man just for the creating that moment. <laughs> okay, good to know. <laughs> Moving on to uh, Mattel <laughs> Elite 67. That set consisted of Cedric Alexander. He was with the purple cruiserweight title as an accessory, and he was in purple and black gear. Jeff Hardy, he was your variant in this series, came with the U.S. title. His regular version had orange and blue face paint. Variant had American face paint. Both versions have black pants with a black shirt, but the regular version has blue, black, and white sleeves, while the variant has all blue sleeves. Randy Orton, he had a black Polly Pocket-style RKO vest. Rey Mysterio, he was in his Halloween Havoc 97 gear, came packaged with the Cruiserweight title and a figure stand as accessories. Shayna Baszler, came packaged with the NXT Women's title and a towel accessory. Last up, Velveteen Dream. Had purple and black pants, white boots, a white puffy shirt like Seinfeld, and the Prince-style sunglasses that were like regular sunglasses. But right in between the two lenses, up on top, there was a third lens. And that would be for your third eye, Jeff. 
And that also rounds out Mattel WWE Elite Series 67. This was a good series. I actually didn't hate the series. Um, favorite figure out of this one? Um, I agree. It was good. Nothing really to write home about. Uh, favorite figure? I I would probably say Ray. I love the attire. The Cruiserweight title was cool. I love the little figure stand where you could have them like flying around and kind of pose them. So I'm going to go Ray on this one. I have to agree. I like the Halloween Havoc look. Yeah, it's a really good figure. The Velveteen has really done uh, well also. Uh, I love the inclusion of those three lenses, which by the way are like Prince sunglasses because Prince wore those. Uh, pretty sure that's where Velveteen got the inspiration from. The Orton is really good, but yeah, I think Ray's the winner here. So, uh, nothing against the Jeff Hardy, too. I like the Jeff Hardy, and I do like the Cedric Alexander. It's a good series. It's a good series. Okay, we've got some eBay prices. Let's go over those. Cedric Alexander with the Purple Cruiserweight title, Purple and Black Gear. Last sold eBay listing was December 4th for $55.22 on a buy it now. Jeff Hardy pulled the regular, and I pulled the variant on this one with the U.S. title. The regular with the orange and blue face paint. Last sold eBay listing was November 24th for $30 even on a buy it now. The variant with an American face paint. Last sold eBay listing was today, December 8th, for $34. Randy Orton with that vest. Last sold eBay listing was December 3rd for $40 on a buy it now. I, that still seems high, doesn't $40 it? $40 for a Randy Orton? There's, that's what confuses me is there are so many of his figures out there. We've seen this with Cena as well. Uh, sometimes you see it with Seth and Roman. Like There's so many of their figures out there, but for some weird reason, this specific one out of a thousand gets 40 bucks on eBay. That's just That seems crazy to me. That goes back to the Kurt Angle thing last week. Yes, exactly. There's a thousand figures out there, but that one, for whatever reason... That's just baffling. Ray Mysterio, Halloween Havoc 97 gear in a Cruiserweight title. Last sold eBay listing was December 4th for $48. That seems about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Shayna Baszler, NXT women's title and Tao. Last sold <laughs> eBay listing was November 30th for $19 on a buy it now. And Velveteen Dream, puffy shirt, glasses. Last sold eBay listing was December 6th for $17.99 on a buy it now. These were all on buy it nows. All right, Scott, it's time to go talking to the listeners, and I think we're going to have fun in this one. We might have a trivia game going on in this one. And I just want to hear from my people. Tell me, can I hear from my people? I just want to hear from my people. And I just want to listen. Before we get into the listener segment, Scott, you got the name of the wrestler that got his ass beat by Anoki? Yes, your favorite wrestler, or I should say big man wrestler of all time, Jeff. The name, The Great Antonio. Thank you. The Great Antonio got his ass beat by Antonio Inoki. Yeah, he was not messing around, dude. Inoki had enough of it. He tried to be a professional. Great Antonio just wanted to run around and no-sell and slap his belly. Then he got his ass whipped. Well, thank you for finding that. But now it's time to get into some trivia. I'm excited for this. Let's see what Nate's got lined up for us this week. What's up, Jeff and Scott? Nate, ring skirts here. With trivia question number 10 for the challenge this week. Um, hey, the Wrestle Cave is definitely in the holiday season. I'm sitting here beneath the beautiful warm glow of Wrestle Tree, and I figured let's wish everybody a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Let's think a little bit about Christmas links with the LJN line. 
I don't know if it's easier or more difficult to have a question with more answers or fewer answers, but let's find out. This is going to be one of the questions with the fewest answers that I think we've done. In the LJN line, can you guys name all of the figures that feature the colors red and green? The figure has to have both red and green on them at the same time. So not a fi figure that just has red or a figure that just has green. I want to see if you guys can name the figures that have both red and green on them. As I say the question right now, I've just added one to my list that I had forgotten. Um, so it might be a little trickier than I had foreseen. We're not going to count the LJN um, style Sergeant Slaughter, but... According to my count, I now count four, because I just added one, LJN figures that feature the colors red and green at the same time. Can you guys come up with it? Happy holidays, guys. So through the magic of editing, we have come up with the four. Took a little bit, but... It took about seven minutes. Yes. Skip a bit, brother. Skip a bit. All right. Nate did send over the answers. All right. So so should we say R4 before I read off this? Well, originally we thought it was five. Correct. Because I wasn't sure on one of them. So let me go down who we had on paper before we had to scratch one out. I would like to say it was Scott that basically figured it all out. <laughs> Stop. I was all too right. busy chasing kittens around. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> With a squirt bottle. With a squirt bottle. Uh, first one we had was Terry Funk. Because yep. I remembered that he had the green chaps and the red trunks. Next up, we had George Steele. He had the green tongue, red boots, and the red stripe on his tights. We had Roddy Piper, because he had red trunks and also had green in his kilt. And we have Corporal Kirshner, who had the green tank top and the red beret. So I had Coco Beware down originally, because I thought that he had the parrot on the back of his jacket. Or the macaw on the back of his jacket. He did not. So, Coco was out. Those are our four. Terry Funk, Georgie Animal Steel, Roddy Piper, and Corporal Kirshner. Okay. Now I'm going to bring up Nate's answers. He says, Alrighty, Jeff, below are the answers to the trivia question. What are the four LJN figures that both have colors red and green? LJN style slaughter doesn't count today. Oh, that's actually a good one. Yeah, yeah. I had to put next to the number four on my list. No slaughter. He put down, what's it take for a guy with a recurring game show style segment to get a shitty flute rendition of the Price is Right theme already? <laughs> well, there's your request. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Open that guitar case. Hold on. Oh, wait, that's Steve Ozer. Sorry. <laughs> Ozer! Oh, it's here. Oh, Lord. And it's bright blue. That was good. It was so spot on. It reminded me of, it immediately put me back being homesick in middle school. Tonight, it was just a flute. It wasn't shitty. <laughs> Your gimmick was flute. Tonight, my uh, tonight I played flute. <laughs> <laughs> well done, dude. And Nate, you. you're welcome. 
sorry, I didn't actually make it shitty for everybody. I actually feel bad now. <laughs> Next time, don't try harder. Try less. <laughs> okay. From now on, though, I will make it shitty for Nate's segment. Thank you. Okay. Corporal Kirshner, green in his camo and red hat. Terry Funk, red trunks, green chaps. Roddy Piper, green in the kilt, red tights, boots, and kilt. The one I noticed at the last minute, George the Animal Steel, red boots, and green tongue. Boom. So the order we had them in, that we got them in, was Terry Funk, George Steele, Coco Beware, who we found to be incorrect, uh, Roddy Piper, and Corporal Kirshner was last. Yep. All right, dude, that's a win. Thank you, Nate. I have so much fun doing those. Like, it would be funny if you could put in the part where we actually hammered these out. No, it is a lot of fun. The only bad thing is, is that there's dead air of us thinking. Yes. I will admit that once we had the five names on paper, I did go to Google Images just to verify that there was red and green. And that's when I found out that Coco was incorrect, but we still had the four on the paper. Correct. That yeah. is correct. Yeah. So it was like check marks for verification, scratch out Coco. Boom. I like it. Thank you, Nate. We appreciate that. And also thank you for these trivia questions this past year. And also Merry Christmas to you, man. Yeah. Keep them coming, please, Nate. And happy holidays to you and the family. Yes. Please keep those coming. All right. Thank you, Nate. Next question comes in from Justin Summers. Hello, Scott and Jeff. This is once again, Justin Summers from Wrestling Cheers with my bi-weekly question. But first, we'll do a little bit of um, response from my last question. First off, Jeff, definitely get yourself a streaming service. Probably go Spotify. I'm more of an Apple Music person, but, you know, whatever. But I'm kind of, uh, or I was, kind of more of a songs guy. But over the past like handful of years, there have been more albums I've been trying to get into. So there's times, especially like here in my office with my music set up, you know, I can't just listen to music on shuffle. Yeah, I could on my phone, but sometimes it's fun to just put in a whole album and, you know, listen to it from beginning to end. And uh, Ride the Lightning, really good album. Earlier this year, I did a Kiss deep dive where I listened to every album in order multiple times to really get a feel for them. And then when I was done, I created a kind of a ranking of how I felt about all the albums. I gave myself a little break, and the next artist I started with was Metallica. I'm currently still on that one because I listen to other things, so I'm not just devoting all my time to listening to one artist I got other music I listen to, and then, of course, podcast. So, yeah, it just takes me a while. And right now, I'm in the middle of Injustice for All. I've listened to it, like, once or twice. I still got a few more listens that I got to get in to get a little bit more familiar with it. Coming in, the Black Album was kind of my favorite. It's the one I knew the most from. But I was surprised with how much I really enjoyed Ride the Lightning. Now, on to Scott. Personally, I don't count live albums because they're basically greatest hits albums and I don't count greatest hits albums. I understand the importance of that album, just like I understand the importance of Johnny Cash live from San Quentin. But I don't I'd like to count them per se. And the idea of, you know, you're going to listen to an album all the way through. And Scott, you talked, uh, get, talked about your story of the first album you ever bought with your own money really quick. Um, I'm going to divulge my 
first album that I bought with my own money. And um, yeah, it's not the greatest album. I own a copy of it still. I think I've rebought it like once or twice. But uh, yeah, uh, the first album I bought with my own money was Shaq Diesel by Shaquille O'Neal. I think uh, a quick story to describe that is when I was in fourth grade, a kid that I went to school with, like found a broken copy of Shaq Diesel, like on the bus or something. And it was basically like there was this like chunk missing out of the edge. So it couldn't play the whole album. So he sold it to me for like a couple dollars. I'm hoping this question will have a discussion to it. But honestly, I would not be surprised if you both agree with me. And that is what album do you feel is the best first album from a band? First debut studio album. Kind of have to preface that because I think I did find out recently that the band that I'm about to mention to you and their debut album actually kind of had an album that came before it that was a live album. But nonetheless, it was mentioned two weeks ago. And that's Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. That's my answer. The album is solid from front to back, even kind of everything that Scott mentioned two weeks ago, but also it's one of those like the album cover is pretty iconic. And I don't know if there is a band out there that put out a first album like that on the same caliber that GNR did. Like almost everybody has had an album that came before it. And, you know, just Googling, you know, best debut albums, there are some that come up that are iconic, but I don't know if they're the same level from front to back. If you guys think of some, obviously you can name them, but Kanye West, The College Dropout, The Beatles, Please Please Me, The Doors, The Doors, BC Boys, License to Ill, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, Nas, Illmatic, Wu-Tang Clan, Enter the Wu-Tang, Nine Inch Nails, Pretty Hate Machine. I mean, a lot of those are some really good debut albums, but are they on the same level as Appetite? I do not think so. But I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say. That will do it for me, and I'll catch you guys in two weeks. Later. Thank you, Justin, for your music question. And you know what? Thank you for sending in music questions, because you know what? I know this is a wrestling figure podcast, but I listen to sports talk radio in the morning on my way from the gym to home or home to the gym. And there's these two goofballs that are on the sports talk radio and they always talk about music. Is this Murph and Mac? Dude, they're terrible. (laughs) They are, (laughs) they are so terrible, but I listen to them for some odd, strange reason because they're total homers. And you know what? I love it. You're in the Bay rep the team. I get it. But they talk music so much on their show. Yeah, and it, they're big music guys. The thing is, is it doesn't detract me because I love hearing them talk about music because they're very knowledgeable in music. So even though I'm listening, I want to hear them talk about the Giants, a little mix up or a little change up, I should say, no pun intended, in there about music is actually pretty cool. Like, I don't hate that. So thank you, Justin, for sending in the uh, music question. Okay, yeah, we're just changing up the flavor a little bit. Yeah, exactly. We've been talking wrestling. We've been talking wrestling figures for the past hour. Let's change it up just a smidge. All right. 
best first albums. Scott is. I know you are gonna say Guns N' Roses as well. Oh, that was my immediate thought. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Beastie Boys, License to Ill, was the other one that was just a knockout debut album. I owned both, and they're incredible. But GNR, Appetite for Destruction, there's a reason it was in my top five. It's outstanding. Literally from needle drop to needle up, outstanding album. Every song is amazing. I I just, I love that album from the very first time I heard it to I could listen to it right now front to back and I'm still going to love it as much as I did the first time I heard it. So many underrated songs on there too. Like you guys know the hits, but there's so many underrated, like Rocket Queen is so good. Mr. Brownstone, I know I mentioned those when Justin sent this in last time, but it is so good front to back. Best debut album of all time. And I've actually had this argument with other people who name drop, of course, Beastie Boys. They'll name drop Van Halen. For me, it's GNR. And that's the end of the story. I also want to point out a couple others. We talked about Poison last, I believe it was last week we talked about Poison's debut album. Yeah, Poison's is good. It is good, but their other releases were better. Skid Row's first one was good too. But their second one, Slave to the Grind, is way better. It blows it out of the water. Um, you could also say Pantera, Cowboys from Hell. Pantera, Cowboys from Hell was on my list. Metallica's, yeah. Metallica's Kill Em All was really good. Very, very good. Yeah. With, but Especially with the song Four Horsemen. Yes. But again, to Justin's point, great songs on those albums. But I don't think that it lives up to what Appetite for Destruction is. I agree with you, dude. Okay, there you go. So Justin was right. We completely 100% agree with him. And also, let me point this out to Justin. He's in the middle of Justice for All right now on his Metallica deep dive. That's my favorite Metallica album. Also an interesting point on that, that was the first Metallica album I owned. I did not have Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning, or Master of Puppets. Justice for All was my first Metallica album. Coincidentally, that was when they released their first video for one. So... I wasn't really, I was knowing more of what I was hearing on MTV. That's what I was going to the record store and buying. So when I first heard, I knew of Metallica, of course, because I bought Circus and Metal Edge and Hit Parader. I was reading all of those. Obviously knew who Metallica was, but when I first heard Metallica, when I first saw Metallica, it was one, immediately fell in love with the band. Had to go buy that album. And Justice for All, my favorite Metallica album. Um, Kill Em All is fantastic. But again, it just does not stand up to appetite. That's that's the clear winner in my head. What about Color Me Bad? I want to sex you up. Was that a, or was that a good album? Also a good album. Um, you could also go the Wiggles. Their hmm. first uh, their first album, super strong. I'm sure you listened to that plenty of times. Alana was a huge fan. I could probably. I mean, look, I'll get down to some fruit salad like that. <laughs> that's a banger right there, dude. Yummy, yummy. I heard Alana still likes them too. <laughs> I'm going to tell her you said that. Please do. <laughs> Dude, I'll never forget my first trip to New York in 2004 was for WrestleMania 20. And the humongous Toys R Us are like, that was a destination. It was probably one of the first things, like as soon as wheels touched ground in New York, I was like, we're getting in a cab and going to Toys R Us. That's where I had to go. So we touched down, we hit Toys R Us. I didn't know this, but they had produced Wiggles toys. So what am I bringing back from New York? For Alana, because Alana was like three years old at the time, I had all these Wiggles plushes in my bag. I had a, whatever the dog's name was, the, I forget. And then they had a pirate. I think his name was Captain Stabbin or something. I forget his name. Um, 
But uh, Wags the dog, that was his name. So I'm coming home with all these Wiggles plushes in my bag. There was like a little Wiggles microphone. Had to bring all that back for Alana. She loved the Wiggles. Thank you, Justin, for your question. Uh, Favorite Metallica album, Scott? Oh, and Justice for All. Yeah. I'm going to have to say Ride the Lightning. I just loved Ride the Lightning. It was, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's only six tracks, seven tracks. It's so good, though. But it's excellent. It's like picking your favorite child. Like, really, like, they're all good. Well. Well. Let me, let me, yeah. Okay. Up to the Black Album. Yes. Because Load is exactly that. Right. And Reload was. Exactly that. Just uh, a rehash of the load that was Load. And then St. Anger is the kid that you don't talk about. We don't ever talk about. Throw, throw, throw fish heads. Keep them in the basement. What's the difference between St. Anger and a garbage can? What? There is no difference. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Well done, dude. Justin, thank you again for your question. Scott, last question of the week comes in from Josh Thompson. Josh Thompson says, Hey, Jeff and Scott, JT here back with that bi-weekly question. It's Christmas Eve night and you guys are able to sleep somehow. Well, that's because I'm 43 and dog tired from work all the time so that's how i'm able to sleep that's the good news the bad news is that you have woken up at three in the morning two hours earlier before your mom and dad said you can come and wake them up if you guys were to play today what matches would you hold to keep you busy until 5 a.m i'm giving you guys the choice of figures you want but you've got to give me at least six to eight matches. Sorry, Jeff, but an Iron Man match between the great Kali and Giant Gonzalez ain't going to cut it. Ooh, great Kali. That's another one of my favorite all-time big men. <laughs> All right. How oh, I could just kill a man. <laughs> here's, <laughs> here's my match card. X-Division title match. Kevin Owens Elite versus Kalisto with Conan's FTC figure at ringside. Okay, I like it. He said results, Kevin Owen wins. We need a timestamp on that one, by the way. <laughs> Big E Elite versus R-Truth Elite in a fa-la-la-la-la-falls-count-anywhere match. <laughs> well done, dude. Well done. That's actually creative. Result, Big E with the W after power bombing R-Truth into Christmas tree. That's good. Pox AEW figure versus Cesaro Elite for the European Championship. Result, Cesaro wins European Championship. Triangle tag match for the tag team belts. The Fiend and Bo Dallas Elites versus Gallows and Anderson Elites versus Ortiz and Santana AEW figures. Results, Anderson and Gallows get the tag team belts. Okada's one and only Super 7 figure versus Braun Strowman Elite for the World Championship. Results, Okada wins, but just barely. The jolliest Royal Rumble ever, 50-man Royal Rumble match. Result, Seth Rollins Elite wins. So what are your matches? Very nice. Well, I got to say, I love JT's card. But because I'm thinking back to when we would sleep Christmas Eve and the excitement would build, maybe we'd wake up early, young Scott and young Jeff would wake up and play with LJN figures or Remco's. So Jeff, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the choice... Are we grabbing the crappy cardboard and canvas and wood Remco ring with a handful of figures? Or are we grabbing that sweet plastic LJN ring piled high with a mountain of rubber in the middle of it 
known as LJN figures. Which one are we going with? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm going to probably say let's go. Man, we've talked to LJN so much and we haven't shown Remco's enough. Let's go Remco's. I like it. Okay, let's start building our card. And for the sake of argument, even though we didn't have Matt Mania, we're going to include Matt Mania because if I could go back and get one series, it would be the Matt Mania series that we would have had to play with. So with that said, I'm going to imagine that the Christmas previous to this one, we got the Matt Mania series. So we've got the whole Remco collection. Let's put some matches together. Okay, so match number one, we'll kick off the main event and let me know what you think. Main event will be an all-time great match. Nick Bockwinkle versus Ric Flair. Oh. That's the main event. Okay. I I don't hate that at all. The winner is Ric Flair after Bobby the Brain Heenan ditches Bockwinkle to go with Flair. I see. So you're using your LJN, Bobby Heenan. I have to slide him in even though he's out of scale. Shades <laughs> considerably Sorry. taller than both guys in the match. Sorry, freaks. <laughs> Sorry, you scaling freak. See, it, bo- it, it bothers me. It bothers me. <laughs> but Bobby Heenan turns on Nick Bockwinkle to go with Ric Flair. I like it. Okay, good. See, you're throwing angles in there too. I, I really like that. So, second match. Uh, do you want to come up with one? Yes. And just because I'm a huge fan of the series of matches that these guys had, and it really made me love the AWA. We're going to put away the cardboard and canvas and wood Remco ring and bring out an item that we didn't have as kids, but in this world we did. The red plastic and gray steel cage mm-hmm. Remco ring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're going to put the Midnight Rockers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. against Buddy Rose and Doug Summers for the AWA tag team titles. Ooh, I like it. I like it. And that may come as a surprise to some because that matches for the tag team titles and the Road Warriors are not involved. But one of the main reasons I fell in love with the AWA was because of the blood feud that was this tag team series of matches. Rose and Summers versus the Midnight Rockers. I will never forget watching, I think it was on ESPN, watching when Rose and Summers and Sherry Martell just beat the crap out of the Midnight Rockers, made them bleed all over the place. Dude, what a feud. So that's got to be the tag title match. All right. I'm going to put in a a feud. I'm going to put in another f- tag team match feud. And this one is going to be a... Hmm, we got to keep it Christmas theme. I hate to go gimmick with these guys, but it's a no-holds-barred no holds match but we got to come up with a clever name for it for Christmas theme. Well, who are we talking? Who's in the match? Road Warriors versus Mr. Electricity and Jimmy Garvin. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. But it's no holds barred. It's just, they're going to beat the crap out of each other, but we got to give it a a good Christmas feel. Seasons beatings, seasons beating, seasons, seasons beatings match. Okay. Uh, The winner of this match is the Road Warriors because it's the 1980s and why not? <laughs> because the Road Warriors, did they even lose in the 80s if it didn't involve like trickery and chicanery? No, I don't think so. No, they were like the Hogan of the tag team world. They just, unless it involved a crooked ref or some other BS, they just didn't lose. Uh, I forgot to declare a winner in the last match and that would be the Midnight Rockers. Midnight Rockers, got it. <clears throat> okay, your next match? Let's see. 
I'm going to go a rematch for the World Heavyweight Championship, even though that is being defended by uh, Bockwinkle against Flair. This would be a rematch of two guys that fought for that belt earlier in the AWA, and I'm going to go Stan Hansen versus Rick Martell. Ooh, good call on that one, man. And it's going to be a bull rope match, much like the Stan Hansen and Luger match from Starcade 90. And Stan Hansen's going to get the win in this one. He's going to obliterate Martel with three clotheslines or three lariats. And he's just going to tag the corners and Martel's out. Stan Hansen wins. I'm going to just throw in a quick little curtain jerk match. This is just to kick off the show. It's going to be Baron Von Roschke versus Greg Gagne. Oh, nice. Okay, so the owner's kid wins? No. Oh, Baron Von Roschke wins. Yeah, Baron wins because I never liked Greg Gagne, so... <laughs> Did anybody? No, not really, dude. Aside from Vern? <laughs> <laughs> okay, next match. <clears throat> well, I think this would pretty much round out the card. Um, I'm going to go one to build the Freebirds up. So we're going to go Michael P.S. Hayes, Terry Gordy, and they're going to take on the Fabulous Ones. And because they're the Freebirds... And they've got that third man outside, Buddy Roberts. Freebirds are going to get the win because Buddy Roberts hits Stan Lane in the back with a chair. And Terry Gordy picks up the win. I like what you're doing there. I like it. I love Remco's. I love that Asylum is bringing him back. I can't wait to have those Road Warriors in hand. Because I'm immediately going to put them next to the Remco's that I've already got in the Detolf. And it's just great to see the newer companies that are hitting the scene just throwing out these love letters to the figures that we grew up with. Because we did love the Remcos, Jeff. We absolutely adored them. I hated the ring, but I loved playing with the figures because of the posability of them. Because they were, Jeff, as it said on the front of the package, fully posable. By the way, shout out to Steve Ozer, because when he talks about Jake the Snake Roberts' Ultimate Edition snake, he keeps saying the snake is fully posable. Shout out, Steve Ozer. Ozer! Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate the plug. <laughs> Elsa. <laughs> I love it. JT, thank you for your question. Sorry we went boring and with the AWA figures, but like Scott said, we love these figures back in the 80s. These two figures were so cool to us. We got our very first Road Warrior figures, very first Ric Flair figure. Uh, we were getting Mr. Electricity and Jimmy Garvin and Precious, the very first female figure. Yeah, that's right. So there were so many figures that we were getting on guys that we were seeing on TV. Granted, we were getting the NWA guys, but we were getting the AWA guys. And, oh, God, we love these things. Scott didn't like the ring. I dug it. I just, I felt it had so much character to it. It definitely had character, yes. Especially when that character was the four wooden posts collapsing in on themselves because the cardboard that they were attached to was starting to fold in on itself. Correct, correct. That was that was just awesome. Yeah, love those things. So, JT, thank you for your question. And nowadays, it's funny, on Christmas Day, I'm looking forward to sleeping in until about 7, 8 o'clock, when back in the day I had to be up at 4.30 or 5 because I was too excited to see what toys we got. It's the excitement. Don't you wish you could find that again? That excitement it's to wake up Christmas morning. And, like, I, I kind of get it with the kids. But now, you know, one doesn't even live in the house anymore. The other one's 13, so she's, you know, hip to the secret. So the magic is kind of gone. You know what I mean? Like, I used to wake up Christmas morning. It was so exciting to see the kids 
you know, Alana got the One Direction tickets that one year on the tree and she cried and it was incredible, you know, and we've been able to surprise them with gifts, but now it's just, they give us a list and they kind of know what they're getting. Plus we kind of take them to Disneyland every year for Christmas. So it's just, if you're out there and you have young kids, Travis Fowler, for example, just, I, I guess you get still the magic of Christmas through the young kids. And it's just, it's something that I wish didn't go away. You know what I mean? Because I just remember waking up Christmas morning. You remember it too, Jeff. Just that excitement of, okay, what's downstairs? And yep. how soon can we go wake up mom and dad to where they won't throw hands? You know, how <laughs> early? What is that time? And it, oh, so great waking up Christmas morning as a kid and not having any idea what was waiting under that tree for you. The, I know we'll probably talk about this next week, but the best was you and I had to wait upstairs. Yes, and so we would play Nintendo to kind of pass the time. Yeah, or play. Uh, sometimes it was Superpowers. Sometimes it was LJN. Sometimes it was Ramcos. Yep, Just, it depended. Yeah, other times it was Nintendo. Yeah, so we would we pop in Excite Bike or we pop in RC Pro Am or whatever Nintendo game we wanted to play. Play that for about an hour and a half. Still super excited to see what's downstairs. Then mom and dad would kind of shuffle their feet. Yep. Which which is funny because they still shuffle their feet. <laughs> it's a tune trait. <laughs> it is. It is. Mom and dad would go downstairs and then they would have to make their toast. So we've already been up for like an hour and a half, two hours already. And then they have to make their toast and get their coffee ready. Yeah. Scott and I would be sitting at the top of the stairs looking down onto the second level, which are toys that were awaiting us were down on the third level. So Scott and I would have to be waiting upstairs. Literally on on the top step, like with our feet on the the second step from the top, just like waiting for that word that, okay, it's ready. And then bolt downstairs. Yep. So then once we got that word, we flew down those stairs. Like we didn't feel anything underneath our feet. And then mom would have everything laid out and it was video games. It was GI Joe's. It was, Uh, Care Bears, you know, if I was getting Care Bears, you know, whatever it may be, there was something there. There was just a lot there for all of us. And, you know, you think back to that and you always thank mom and dad for what they did for us. So it was incredible. Mom always and still does to this day go above and beyond to make it special for everybody. And man, as a parent, you can only hope to do half as good as your parents did on Christmas Day and Mom always went above and beyond, and she still does. And she just made it so special. Dad, too, just made it super special for us and definitely look back on it with fond memories. And I'll never forget, Jeff, I started to get hip to the secret, as I mentioned, Peyton is now. And I told Mom that. And she was still, just because it's that last little bit of innocence that's still in the kid, you know, Mm-hmm. And it, you don't want it to go away. You want to kind of hang on to that. And mom was still hanging on to it. And I tell her, I know, I know. And she'd be like, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. Well, the one gift I wanted that Christmas was the Ewok village. So you and I get the okay and we run downstairs and sitting there wrapped is this humongous box. I knew exactly what it was. And I go to open it and I look at the top and in black hefty marker, was Scott you may not believe in me but I believe in you Santa and I was like oh mom (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I don't even remember how old I was it was like 83 I think so I'm like I don't know 9 maybe 10 whatever 
And just that is just one of my favorite Christmas memories because as a parent, I felt that years later. You know what I mean? When you know your kids are, are kind of hip to it and you're still kind of clinging on to that, that last little thing that it's the magic is still there and you don't want to let it go. And so I just I always look back on that moment as a parent and it, you know, it just means the world. But, you know, to all the parents out there, just cherish this time if you've got young ones because it goes by so fast and just just cherish it. It's so great. Well done. By the way, the Ewok Village story is fantastic. <laughs> You're all, oh, mom, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to rip this open and build it. I can't wait. <laughs> Hopefully there's no stickers. And that rounds out the show. Before we sign off, we want everybody to go check out WrestlingToyTracker.com. Of course, over there you can find the card and loose prices of LJN's, Galoobs, Hasbro's, Just Toys, Bendems, Defining Moments, and Retros. So, of course, go check out WrestlingToyTracker.com dot com if you're in the hunt for any of those figures all right moving along move a skip a bit brother skip a bit we also want you to check out our podcasting buddies we got breaker and bane of course we got wrestling talk toy talk everything under the sun talk over at breaker and bane's power hour also check out breaker side project you know it's fake right and the tb toy cast with travis fowler so again check that out on all of Brian Breaker's social medias. You can find all of his shows. Also, moving along to the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. They're putting out two shows each week. This week, we don't know what tomorrow's show is, but so far they've put out Home Alone 2 with Nate, a.k.a. Ring Skirt, sitting in. And that was a fun episode listening back to them discussing Home Alone 2. Uh, I loved when Steve made fun of me because he was like why is anybody keeping their toys in boxes? You just become Jeff from fully posable now. Oh, and I was like, damn it. He's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's why you took him to talk arena number two. So anyways, but they also talked about home alone. It was a fun, fun episode. And they all like to poke holes in the movie, but again, a lot of fun. So check that out over the positively pro wrestling podcast, as well as check out their Facebook group. Just search positively pro wrestling podcast. Also, speaking of another fun Facebook group, we got the Chick Foley show going on as well. And check out their shows on all podcasting platforms as well. Justin, thank you for your music question again this week. Check Justin out on the Wrestling Cheers podcast. We got RJ over at Ringside Rant. We got Marty and Rucker over at Boots of the Face. We got Tim pulling up a chair with the Fig Life. We got Soda and Ethan talking about everything NASCAR. And Scott, by the way, your drunk podcast where you guys botched it or whatnot last week, the PW. Dude, that thing was so funny, dude. Really? The butthole episode was funny? Oh my God, dude. Just the debauchery. Like there was one part where Ed's like, I want to shut this off. (laughs) Yeah. He hates it. He hates that stuff, dude. He doesn't go for any of that. Oh, dude, I was dying laughing. I thought it was great. I thought it was hella funny. But anyways, what do you guys have this week? (laughs) Yes. Give us a follow on Twitter at wrestling underscore drunk. The show that dropped this past Friday is a tribute to the great, the monster heel, the guy who snapped Hogan's neck, Zeus. Ooh, it's an episode dedicated to Zeus's memory, all of the great contributions that he brought to 1989, 
and specifically the movie No Holds Barred. Also, the matches he participated in from SummerSlam to Survivor Series to No Holds Barred, the match, the movie. We celebrate the career of Zeus, so go check that out. I thought we paid proper homage to the man. Because we're drunk wrestling history, well, we're not always accurate, but we're always drunk. You said homage, and the homage. First, thing I th- first thing I thought of would be a cool homage t-shirt with Hogan and Zeus on it. Ooh, very good. Or Savage and Zeus. Oh, yeah, that would be cool, too. Or you could even go DiBiase and Zeus. You could. Very good, dude. I like that. Also, check out Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling. Scott, roll call. Yes, going to throw it out to Jason Wolf. He's doing big things this holiday season. You'll want to be following his social media at The Art of Jason Wolf. If he's not your artist or if he's not your figure customizer, he should be. Great artwork. Great custom Hasbros. He does it all. Go check him out. Jason Wolf. That's W-U-L-F. He also has some pictures on his Facebook of him dressed up as Dime because Jeff, today, 12-8, is the anniversary, unfortunately, the 18-year anniversary of Dimebag Daryl passing. It sucks. His loss is still felt to this day. One of the greatest guitar players, if not the greatest guitar player of all time, R.I.P. Dime. Go check out Jason Wolf at The Art of Jason Wolf. He's doing big things. You need to be following him. And Jeff, that rounds out roll call. Man, I hate hearing that, dude, that this is the 18-year anniversary. Yeah, it's... Ugh. I hate it. I hate it so much. I want to go drink a black tooth grin in his honor. It's funny, dude. I remember the shock and awe of when that originally happened. I was listening to Howard Stern at work at my first job. And they just happened to mention something about there was a shooting at a nightclub. I think Robin was doing her news. And they said there was a shooting at a nightclub and there was a band that was on stage. And so they started talking and come to find out it was Dime. Yeah. And I went flying into the room that had the computer, just trying to find anything on the interwebs. And you didn't have Twitter. You didn't have social media back then. So it wasn't immediately, immediately readily available. So like I was trying to find anything and everything. And unfortunately I found that one article that said Dimebag Daryl was killed on stage last night. Yeah, that son of a bitch, man. And I know. And apparently, does anybody know why he did it? I mean, we'll never know the honest to God truth. We've heard that he thought that Dime was stealing his music or something like that. Or he blamed Dime for the the breakup of Pantera. Who knows? Who knows what went through his mind? But man, what a talent that was stolen from us way too soon. Way too soon, dude. So, anyways, RIP Dime. Your music will live forever, man. So, Scott, for episode 359, anything else? Stay safe, stay healthy, fig life since 2016, and happy toy hunting. I want to thank everybody for listening to episode 359. RIP Dime, one more time. Hashtag fit life. Adios. <laughs>
fully poseable Thank you all for listening It ain't no storyline, real life siblings So everybody go and do your toy spotting Hashtag Fig Life, adios from the kings